it's exciting. I'm excited. I, I'm glad that they handle business, but it's you know, Minnesota's not gonna be a you know, it ain't a cakewalk. These guys ain't just laying down for us to go ahead and take the division. But I do feel like the Sox do have a little bit of energy, a little bit of a, a little bit of oomph in them right now. So I'm, I'm I'm like, I got my alarm set. I got my alarm set. I, I don't even set alarms like that. I got an alarm set five minutes before the game starts to make sure that I'm sitting in front of a television watching that game. That's must that's must see TV tonight. It's playoff baseball today. That's exactly what you're seeing. Every single game from here on out should feel like a playoff game. You, yeah, you be a, a, you've you've been lazy enough for the first 131. You have to absolutely strap it in for the next 31. But yeah, I, I would give the bullpen its flowers, but not the guys that you paid big money to get those flowers. Yeah. So Kendall Graveman's been good the last couple of games, but on Sunday, what did he walk? Two or three straight? Yeah. He, he couldn't throw a strike on Sunday. He was good yesterday or the, the day before yesterday. He was great. And yeah. Uh, Deekman's been great. And Ronaldo Lopez has been great. And Jimmy Lambert has been an awesome find. Um, but Joe Kelly's been a, a bag of shit. Uh, oh my God. Joe Kelly's been a bag that's of your shit. Guy. And that's your guy. Yeah. That's your guy. <laughs> you, you gave that guy and you gave Kendall Graveman a lot of money, a ton of money to be shut down relievers. Like they always had been. So I'm not ready to throw flowers at those guys yet. I want to see consistency over the next 31, but it just, it, it does feel like the change in manager has injected a little bit of life. And I, I know that's the easy way out. It's easy to say that it's the change manager that did it. It also could very much be the sense of urgency that's being felt with 31 games remaining in the second of September and the season ending in the second week of October. It could be that, but for the narrative, I would love it to be, see, if you just would have made this change and gotten rid of yeah. Tony three, four fucking months ago, maybe you could have seen this, this injection of life, and enthusiasm and this reinvigoration for wanting to play the game again. Um, and, and it's not even that, like it's not all on the players, but just the, the, the baseball management and, and strategy, just Steve Stone can come on our station as many times as he want and remind us that Tony La Russa is there at noon for a seven o'clock game. And he can remind us all he wants that Tony La Russa doesn't even sit in first class in the plane. He gives that to his coaches and he sits in and coach with Stoney and with the players. He can remind us that all he wants. I'm sure Tony La Russa is a wonderful man and he cares about the game and he loves to spend as much time there as possible. But that doesn't always equate to success. Just yeah. because you're showing up at noon for a seven o'clock game and you're setting the lineup the day before and you're always looking at matchups, that doesn't mean that that's going to be equivalent to making the right decisions no shane he's 77 he wakes up at five o'clock in the morning anyway so to that to him yeah. that's like right that's like late afternoon nonsense right there yeah. um what did you think about the players only meeting that they have not, not not the socks in particular but i'm talking about the idea of a players only meeting like what, yeah i mean your, what, what do you think about those kinds of things i, I think that's disney movie bullshit really yeah i mean i, I like the I like the idea of a leadership council, but it's it's almost like it's it like too late. Yeah. What you you waited so long to like come together and, and choose some kind of rallying cry. Um, don't feed me this Disney movie script bullshit. Like the Jason Hayward rain delay speech. Yeah, yeah I don't yeah. give a fuck. Just go. <laughs> I don't need to know that. Well, the players were really mad that we're four games back and two games under 500 or three games under 500, whatever it is, we're mad. You should be, 
you should be fucking mad. You have the most, the second or third most talented lineup in, in the American League. Like, you should be fucking pissed that you're yeah. not up by 15 games right now. I don't need you to have a players-only meeting to come together that, to that conclusion. If you're not walking into that clubhouse every fucking day trying as hard as you can to win a fucking baseball game, yeah, then shut the fuck up. Yeah, you're in the wrong sport. But it's funny because it's like, oh, Tony's out. All right, guys, hey. <laughs> Tony's out. We got to do it for him. All right. Cause if you, uh, to quote, uh, AJ Pollock, he said, we, we know Tony puts everything into it. He puts so much effort into this group and we're out there. We're playing for him. We're playing for each other. And it'd be really cool to look back and say, this was the turning point and this is what sparked this, but we've got a lot of work to do. The turning point, September 1st, bye-bye. <laughs> turning point should have been like in June. How, like, how many, how many times have we pointed, pointed out turning, turning point? points on this podcast? I thought the turning point was when Jose Abreu was sliding up and down in the dugout. Yeah. I thought that was the turning yeah. point. I thought the turning point was when Joe Kelly came in with no outs and base and, and, bases empty and loaded the bases and then and then Ethan Katz came yeah. out and gave him a little speech and he turned it around and struck out the side. I thought that was the turning point. Don't tell yeah. me the fucking turning point is September 1st. They turned so much they ended back up at square one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they, they flip a 180 and then forget that they did that and did flip an entire 180. Uh, okay, uh, but we're in agreement that we do feel like it's possible though, right? Like this they're not blowing smoke up our ass. Like we really feel like okay guys, you're I mean, but can't, but do we though? Because it was against the Royals. It's not like they, you know, they, they they were feeling good and they just beat you know the Yanks or they you know or the or the, or the, or the Rays or somebody like Toronto. They did it against the Royals, right? Like a shitty team. Yeah. So, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just gonna say like I want to believe it, right? As a fan, but I also want to be a realist and 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 put put everything into perspective. Yeah, I mean, this organization is notorious for not playing well in Oakland's. Um, true. So we'll see what they do in these three against Oakland. And then is it four against Seattle? They have, no, they have the off day on Monday. Um, and then beat a good team in Seattle. And then it's kind of cake after that. Right. If you can put up a fight in a ballpark, you don't play well in, in Oakland, and then at least take two in Seattle, then, then you're in business, but there's not enough time in the season left to not carry momentum through for the entire 31. Like you can't have, two or three separate shorter win streaks and then go on a, a couple losing streaks in between them. There's just simply no. not enough time. No. You have to win 20 of your next 31 games at bare minimum. That's tough. That's tough, man. I mean, you know, like you said, it's you're playing a, a, a shit team in Oakland, but you've never had success out there. I mean, no. as long as I've been a Sox fan, I've never seen them, you know, just dominate out there. And then, you know, you do got some games against Cleveland, which, you know, allows you to, you know, gain some ground, but you know, you're hoping to win. I mean, obviously, the four in September, you can't split. That's that's the key right there, right? You can't split those four games. So you really got to, you, you know, can't split any down. series. You no, can't split any series. Or not can be split. No, zero. I mean, and if you do, then you're just shooting yourself in the foot. But who do you think is going to be the horse uh, from the pitching staff of, of the Aces? Like, do you believe in Giolito? Like, we know my Lynn just looks so good. I believe in Lance Lynn. I believe in Lance Lynn. I, I, I'm not even going to let you give me options. I believe in Lance Lynn as the guy who's going to carry this team every fifth day from here on out. He's probably got maybe four more starts left, maybe five. Um, I believe in Lance Victories. Lynn as the guy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. This is this is what he is. He is a and you didn't want him on the playoff roster. I, I don't. I, I didn't forget that. This is what True. Lance Lynn does. He calls himself a big bastard for a reason. He shoulders the workload and he brings guys together and he doesn't fucking take shit. And I'm kind of surprised that it took him this long to turn it back on because 
Lance Lynn knows urgency. Lance Lynn will carry him through. Lucas Giolito, I think uh, I'm. Hey, I think I'm. I think I'm kind of out on Lucas Giolito as a whole, know, dude. And I want to love him so bad. He's wanna... such a nice guy. Like I love him as the guy, but he lost that that the monster on the mound, man. Yeah, he he needs that Lance Lynn because then. You know, because you hear Steve Stone talk a lot when he's on the score about him needing other pitches and him needing to, you know, hang out with Dylan Cease and work on that slider a little bit more. But, I mean, geez, there got there comes a point when you say to yourself, like, the regression is just – it's a lot, man. That, that deviation from the norm is big, and, and, you know, what we're seeing is a huge difference. But just like Cueto, just like Lance Lynn, just like a lot of guys that, you know, get into their later the latter half of their, their careers in baseball, you got to switch it up, bro. Like you can't keep doing the same thing. You got to switch it up. And you, if you want to be a good pitcher, if you want to be one that That's has thing, longevity. Though, Gabe, he did switch it up. And before the season, he put on all that muscle and all that weight. And he came on with us like two weeks before opening day. He's like, yeah, guys, like I'm so pumped. I put on all this muscle. My lower half is feeling so strong. And then four or five days ago, last weekend, he comes out and says, yeah, I kind of, I kind of regret putting on all that weight and all that muscle in my lower half. Like I don't feel the drive anymore. And I feel kind of sluggish. So he made that change, and now he's got an even even bigger change to overcome this offseason where he's got to shed weight again, which is a right. lot harder than putting it back on and try to go back to the pitcher that he was and get that one, two, three miles an hour back on his fastball Tough. and the spin rate back. It's just he's he's such a smart guy, and he understands all the metrics. He understands all the advanced stuff. He understands the the, the peripherals. Like He just gets baseball. But sometimes I feel like he's just thinking too hard. Yeah. I mean, he just kind of looks pouty out there on the mound when things don't go his way. Yeah, he, he's definitely that kind of pitcher. You can tell where he's like, he has a little LeBron James in him where th- when things aren't going your way, he kind of just recedes a bit. And you, but he's that dog though. Like we've seen it before. We've seen that face turn into success. And it, 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 it's, it's, fr- I don't want to say it's frustrating because it's not frustrating. We see pitchers, they have their ups and downs. It's just that we look at him like a. I look at him like a friend, and I'm like, man, I, like I really want you to do well, bro. Like I'm gonna keep putting you out there, and I want you to prove it to me, though. Like he he looks like a. We were talking about this yesterday on the score myself and Mark Grody. Uh, Justin Fields was saying how he needs to be coached harder, and we were talking about you know there's two different types of coaching, right? You either need a pat on the back or a kick on the butt, and I feel like Lucas Giolito needs a pat on the back, arm around him. Hey, bro, you're 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 a dog, man. Like you could you got this, bro. You can do this. Like, I feel like he needs that right now at this point in the thing in the season. I hope Lance Lynn is doing that for him and being that mentor type guy that's like, hey, bro, you're a stud. Go out there every five days and be a stud. Be the stud that you are and carry this team and give us these victories so we can make this playoff and, and you can forget about this season as a whole. Because if they make the playoffs, no one cares anymore. No one cares about anything that happened during the season. You know, we're going to build off that. But if you miss the playoffs, everyone's going to pinpoint Every single thing that's wrong with this team, including Lucas Giolito and, and his, his, his his lack of efficiency, so to speak. But Kopech breaking my heart, you know, look, we go back to the to trade deadline. It would have been good to have a guy like Quintana in there, someone that can eat up some innings. And not that I don't did decently well in St. Louis, Jose Quintana. Of course he is. Yeah. Of course he is. So it would have been good to have that extra starter. I think everybody knew that. But no one anticipated the the fall off, right? No one anticipated Kopech. You know, just kind of losing his stuff. Giolito just kind of being out of there, and then us banking on Lance Lynn and and Johnny Cueto going into the to the last month month and a half of the season. Oh my god! What did you think about the way the White Sox handled 
the Tony La Russa medical update the other night? Yeah, I think that, I mean, what was interesting to me was how like he was on the field beforehand. He was talking to Rick Hahn. He was there. And then all of a sudden it was like, nah, bro, you got to go. So, you know, it had to have been something serious for them to say, you need to go now, like right now, get out of here. Like, so I think, I don't, I wish they would have gave us a little bit more information, right? Like if you're going to pull him, he's our coach. We still care about him. So I would have loved a little bit more detail. Um, the vagueness of it is off-putting as a fan. You're like, man, I want to know what's wrong with him. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to, like you said, if you, if you, you know, if you, if you pray, I want to be able to pray properly. I want to just, I don't, you know, I want to want to just throw a blanket of health over Tony LaRusso. I want to, you know, know what it is so I can ask for things specifically. So that part was what I didn't necessarily like, but I mean, there's not much they can do, right? He, 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 uh, uh, the doctor say you got to go, you got to go, and that's it. So I mean, it's not, it's not really much else. What did you think? Yeah, it's been a, a point of contention on the radio station. Dan and Lauren specifically did not like the way that it was handled and did not like um, the nondescript statement and then not getting the players together to tell them before the game started and just putting it on the scoreboard. Um, but I don't think it fucking matters. Yeah. The people that knew or that had to know knew. It was 6.15 when he got the text from one of the doctors saying, Hey, call, we got to go over some stuff with you. He got the results. He went into a, a meeting room with Jerry, with Scott Reifert, head of PR with Rick Hahn, told them what was going on. And they crafted that statement right then and there. Tony specifically said, I don't want any details out. Okay. He's the one who asked the white Sox to not push any details out. Um, and then Bob Nightingale went out there with the heart issue. And that was, I can tell you, I have knowledge of the situation that that was a lot more than Tony wanted out in public. So in an ideal world, this happens at two or three o'clock when all of your players are still in right. the clubhouse. But it's kind of hard to go around and and find each and every individual player when Five of, them, five of them are on the field stretching. Giolito's in the bullpen. You got some guys in the hot tub. You got some guys in the in the water treatment area. You got some guys showering. You got some guys eating. Like, they're all over the place. And I can also tell you that there were some veterans in that clubhouse that were a little, I don't know, a, a little pissed off that the reporting, the, the reporters went to Andrew Vaughn and Gavin Sheets to see what they felt about it. Like, two fresh, brand-new guys instead of the veterans like right. Anderson and Lance Lynn and Liam Hendricks and Jose Abreu and Yasmani Grandal, who can maybe give a, mo a more level-headed uh, response to a situation like that, situations that they've all gone through where managers are pulled last minute. Um, I can also tell you that Rick Hahn did speak to the reporters. Rick Hahn spoke off the record to the reporters the next day during batting practice, and when there's a legitimate update, on Tony's health and what he's going through, Rick Hahn will speak again. There was no info for Rick to give. First of all, there, there are hip, HIPAA laws that you can violate. Right. <laughs> and it's not like Tony was even using the White Sox doctors. He was using his personal doctor. So it wasn't even a team-sanctioned thing, which is also totally fine. But the, the, the outlash against Rick and against the organization for the way they handled it, I don't think they did anything wrong at all. And yeah. the players don't think so either. There isn't a single player in that clubhouse walking around 
upset or pissed off that they weren't told personally before the game that, hey, Tony's not managing. Yeah. Shane, it's not like we're talking about a 35-year-old manager, right? I mean, then you might be like, hey, I would like a little bit more information. Like, what's going on? I'm concerned. But he's 77, bro. (laughs) Like, okay, he's got a a medical issue. Yeah, that sounds about right. 77. Like, okay, he can't make it to the game. Yeah, I'm surprised this didn't happen sooner. Like, yeah. I'm surprised this wasn't an issue earlier in the season. Like, damn, kudos to you and your health and your good health that allowed you to get through the season up until up until this point. So, I mean, like, I think you're absolutely right. I think they they, they handled it. Like I said, I just at, from a fan's perspective, and like I said, from a caring about the manager perspective, it would have been nice to know a little bit more. But it's not anything that that I think anyone should be harping on. Like, oh, I'm upset that I didn't get all the information that I wanted about Tony LaRusso. Bro, he's 77. He's got a, a health issue. Leave his ass alone and focus more on this team that needs to be winning games and putting runs on the board instead of the manager that has a, a, heart, a health issue at 77. Like that's that to me is, is, the, is the biggest one right there. But it's going to be interesting because obviously there's no timetable um, with him right now, right? No, no, right. no timetable. We, we don't definitely. know anything. 